0: Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by Mark Laurie, CEO and photo artist at Inner Spirit Photography, a female portrait photography company. Founded in 1980, they create wonderful, emotional and moving images of women for themselves or as gifts to others. And I've asked Mark to join us here today to talk about surviving the seasons of business and life for over 40 years, plus his take on the business of art. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. This is exciting. Yeah, me too. It is good. So how did you even get into business? Do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? Not. No,
1: actually, I didn't. I got into it. I was a realtor at the time. And real estate was 24-7. I took it very seriously, of course. And I needed a break. So I borrowed my wife's camera, and I started in photography. I migrated really quickly to photographing women, doing nudes. And it just evolved from there. And it's back in 1980 when I started, I actually pick up the camera in 78. So I transitioned from 78 to 80 pretty quickly with my own company. But it was a different time back then. I mean, Calgary was like one third the population it was now, very mm-hmm. deeply conservative kind of area. And I was offering Boudoir and nudes. And the photography community was horrified. How are you going to market that? And I go, I'll put an ad in the yellow page that says nudes work <laughs> it's like bare naked ladies the band right that's what everybody yeah. concert. nobody else was offering at the time like boudoir photography was just starting to emerge in fact in the next couple of years after i started i was winning the awards and having a good time i trained one guy figured out about 95 percent of the photographers in canada and a lot of the ones in the states on how to approach boudoir photography i was about 25 at the time and it was and it one of the things that was cool is i had Except my styles evolved quite a bit to storytelling. I build exotic sets and so on. And two people came in for a photo shoot. And what I did, the first girl, we couldn't get together and she suddenly just appeared. We were lost. Like we didn't really have a focus. She just appeared, took her clothes off. It just didn't, it wasn't exceptional. The second girl, we planned, we we had a western set and we I got props and we borrowed a guy's fast draw gun and my, my god we took photographs for like hours and we changed sets and it was just this is the way to do this this is really cool but yeah the first was funny though As a realtor it's a, i can imagine it's a, I, there's a i'm just starting off i'm looking for people i can photograph and there's the mortgage officer who i used had a beautiful 20-something secretary blonde girl and so i was in his office and i was thinking gee who already i said do you think Karen would be interested in being a model for me for a photo shoot. And he, and he goes, I don't know. And my thought was he would, I would leave. He would ask her, you know, like, like grade seven stuff. And then he would get back to me, see, yeah, she's interested. Give her a call, something like that, right? Nope. He's like much older. He smiles and he presses his button that says, his intercom button, he goes, Karen, can you come in here for a second? Mark's got a question for you. And I just, I'm looking like, what? And I remember this thought crossed my mind, which was, I could go through that window. We're only two stories up. I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Karen comes in with a little notepad and she's all perky and stuff. And she goes, what? She says, oh, Mark's got a question for her. I look at like, oh, so well, I'm a photographer. Would you be interested in like, doing some photography stuff? Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and so it evolved. And we're doing the photo shoot and we're doing all the Western stuff. This group, I really wanted to do this new thing. And my wife had long gone to bed. So I had this, the whole thing that triggered the Western set was this Playboy photograph. It's a magazine thing of a girl with cowboy boots on, a gun belt, a Western gun, which we had, and a cowboy hat. And that's it for facing the camera. And so she said, What else can we do? I go, We could do something like this. And I was chicken. She chicken- chicken- I couldn't say anything. I just showed her the photograph, right? And she goes, oh, that's Cool. She says, We should do that and proceeds to undress and put the hat on. I'm thinking, This is really good. We should do this. And so <laughs> we photograph for two more hours, right? And then I finally crashed, went to bed. She went home. And, and Jan says, So how is this? She says, Great. I'm so excited, vibrate. So how, did she look good? I think so. I'll have to look at the photographs. I can't remember because I get so focused on what I'm doing and really not, uh, I guess, looking, if you call that. I'm seeing the part time, but I'm not staring or absorbing it. This is like, and so it wasn't the next day that I looked, I was black and white and I processed more moment film. I go, oh, these are really cool. And they still hold up today. So I was, it was fun. That was my, cool. my start. That is and my cool. education at the time. Yeah, it was. Uh, we've had so many adventures. We've always, I've entered a lot of contests. I've always taken on everything I could. So we've done magazines and I've got several books out there. We did one book, which was in the Bahamas. And it's called uh, Nude in Paradise. And the model's a client of mine. She's an amazing woman. And she flew in from Hong Kong to Bahamas. And that's like a 26 hour flight or yeah, something. one place so she arrives about four o'clock five o'clock and we've got this short window because she's got to go back on sunday night and so we're so we start photographing that night and we and then we finish and she goes to bed we got up at four o'clock the morning she did her makeup we we're getting a sunrise and we just photographed steady throughout the whole day and we've got places that no one else my my friend down there was really well connected and so i, I got into places that no one else could get into it's really cool that sounds so great i've had fun
0: Yeah, 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 that sounds fantastic. So what have been some of the biggest challenges, obviously, through the years, there's been good economies, bad economies, there's been changing, maybe perhaps there's been criticism of like the taboo-ness of some of the the photography that you've done, perhaps, I don't even know, but what have been some of the challenges, obviously, you still, you still have to market and sell. Yeah.
1: The old days, we'll call them the old days. There's my little thing here. They were fun. There's marketing was simple. Like I would take out two trade shows and we always did a huge booth involved with charities. We've donated $512,000 to charities over the years, which we're proud of. And we took, our yellow page ad was huge. For people don't know about that, we, in the old days, we used to have this big yellow book and it had all, that's where businesses would advertise with phone numbers and stuff. And I always made sure my ad was three times bigger than the next biggest size ad with it. And then take out two, two times a year, take out a double page, spread in color in the sun. which was a tabloid thing here for it. And that'd be my year. That would be great. And then when the internet kind of came along, we had one of the, I was told, the third photo, photography website when the internet got activated. So we had the, the third one that was a photography site. of wow. ours way back in the day. And then social media comes along. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of stuff that's powerful and we're getting deep into the AI things, which is changing our... Industry. i've lived through three of my camera systems have gone obsolete that they just they don't even make them they don't repair them it's a bizarre experience to have when you get into that so the transition from from that marketing and then the other thing we had that was a big shift for long as everybody's terrified of what i do the nudes and the lingerie and so they didn't know how to add to their systems it was so great and then about 15 years ago we had speakers that come through and say great to all the photographers here's how you shoehorn this into your business and here's what you say. And here's, here's 20 poses to work with. And so overnight we had like 30 competitors might say. And also, and one guy was so cute. We hired marketing people because I, I believe in hiring good people, like move things along. And so the first thing they did was check other websites. It's, it's, that's so how's it look? What do you think? is says, they're all mimicking you. And I said, how do you know that? He says, for example, one of them, they just copy and pasted the stuff that you said in your website. And so well, how do you know that? Cause they forgot to take your name out of the copy and paste. <laughs> so there it was so he me, says yeah so this section here this is where your website is and that's how it started back then so when we started off the first big challenge was i knew nothing about photography and there's no and there's no training back then like today photographers starting off have got no grasp of how rich and easy it is to learn stuff it's just everywhere it's free and paid and so good Back then, there were especially for boudoir photography, we'd have a speaker blow into town for weddings and I'd take it because he'd teach me lighting. I got just anything. So I had to learn book learning. There's a guy that had a book that was my Bible. It was great. And one of the quotes he had was, If you look at the shadows in a photograph, you can figure out where the lights are. And so I'd study his photographs. So I'm in a in a hair salon one day and I'm studying this centerfold that Playboy I had very complicated lighting. I'm not even looking at the girl. I'm mentally trying to imagine where these lights are The lighter. I'm looking at this for way too long. And this old guy beside me, his name gets called, and he gets up to get his haircut. And he goes by, he says, so, sonny, you like her? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even looked at her. I'm like, what? What? Oh, yeah, I get, she's nice, Like, yes. <laughs> when I started off, it was, I was broke. I didn't have, uh, we didn't say, oh, I got, here's $100,000. Let's invest like we... We had to steal and build and so on. So I borrowed a light meter one time because I had flash. And this is my steel. Right behind me here is my, was my original studio, consultation room, everything. So where the bathroom is, that was my studio. I had a fabric, paper rolls up in the ceiling that would come down and I rented, borrowed a guy's light meter and I would, took an umbrella and I had light bulbs inside of it because I had a flash. And then every foot, because that's light falls off every foot, right? The inverse trail law, there's some education for it. And I'd take a meter and I put a knot on it and I'd write a little note saying F8 and F11 and so on. So then I'd go to photograph a client and I'd wheel my light in and I'd simply take the whatever F-stop I wanted, put that onto her nose, where the little tab was, and then back. <laughs> and that was my lighting. That's how base I was when I learned. Like I really did One day I had, my, or Jan's dad had a, had a light for video and had five light bulbs on it in a row. And not knowing anything about lighting, I was using it to, without a, because I needed more light. And I got five shadows in the background. I had no idea where they're coming from. And it's because each light bulb was one inch over than the other. So they would cast. So people thought, oh, that's so cool. How did you do that? I don't know. I'm trying to get rid of it. In <laughs> <laughs> so we had that kind of happening. It was it was just great and wonderful. We got in, we did, our work was so well received. And we're, we're used to the, but in the 80s, we were stood by psychiatrists. From the general hospital, they had a program for rape and abuse victims, which we do, it turns out a lot of work with. And every time they went through uh Peru committee, leap one or two stages, and my name came up. So he studied all my clients for a year, did an interview just before the session, just after the session, and then sometime later. And he found to the woman every woman was either in the middle of coming out, going through great personal change if that didn't exist we were invisibly his belief was that no matter i could give it away because and they wouldn't take it because we just weren't that kind of studio we seemed to have more substance than other guys who offered him and so we and to this day we discover that we dig a bit deeper we discovered that yeah we, we deal and some of the people who come in are dealing with horrendous things we had one client that came in and she was she was trying to find safe spaces. And her psychologist had said, look, you're missing whole years of your life that you can't remember because your brain's trying to save you. And as soon as you move into a place that you feel safe, the brain will release that. It's cool. So she hit my studio. My studio is, it's a very safe place. People have called it a room. It's got heated floors and there's no windows and there's soft music playing and it's like a fantasy land. And so we're finishing the photo shoot up and she gets really pale and she sits down on the couch and I go, you okay? What's going on? She says, I just got unlocked. And that's her phrase because of it happiness she have been going through. I said, so like what? She says, I can't remember my childhood because my parents ki- tried to kill me. I'm like, what? And she says, yeah, I remember this. I was conscious. My parents beat me until they thought I was dead. Didn't want me to die. And they got in the car and they drove 30 miles or something. They threw me in the ditch and left me and they drove away with no identification. And the people who I grew up with found me and they brought me back to health and that's this must be a really safe place for me to unlock i said yeah you got to talk to somebody because that's me on my pay scale yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i do photography but yeah, uh, I'm a so photographer. Had, this is crazy yeah I'm so shocked. we've had way, dramatic things we're clients so we had one client that came in and she, I was, we photographed her several times and she was so cool And i said so what's changed your life like with us, like the interaction to it. She says, we thought about all She's talked about the empowerment it gave her and the confidence. She says, I'm making $80,000 more a year than I would have if I hadn't been photographed by you and spent time with you in the studio. Like, how's that work? And she goes, when you met me, I hid in a garage. She was a heavy duty mechanic, big trucks and buses and stuff. She says, I was happy back there. I just didn't, like I dark corner, just do my little thing. She says, but you, these photographs, this experience, it gave me the feeling. That I could do anything and I could do more than being a mechanic in a garage. And so she said, I just started up getting new jobs. I, I, and when this job, I felt I had skills to, to get a better job, but I'd go out and get a better job. She says, now I'm making $80,000 a year that I don't think I would have been making because of this whole thing. Yeah. We've had numerous women that tell me that the photo session gives them so much power, so much confidence. We've <laughs> had 30 photo sessions result directly in marriages wow it's cool is that cool that's really cool that's really we cool had one one girl that came in and oh, she, i'm just i'm loved by my story she came in and she we we're doing a photo session she says my one wish is that i'd love to to be married now like, you're got a kid and she says, I, i've been married i've been with this guy and he's really sweet but he's not romantic he's not romantic bone in his body he would never think to say do you want to marry me she says, I'm not gonna force it, I'm not gonna do the you should marry me kind of thing. It's got a good life. It's just it'd be nice. I said also I gave her the she picked the book up. She had a, a series of books we create books kind of like this here, mm. which is neat. So she bought one of these. I said, Tell them that a studio policy, only husbands can see the books. She said, so I said, I have fun with it. So she says, she told me later, she said, I don't know what overcame me. He says, Oh, that's the book. Can I see it? She goes. No, you, you can't. I had to sign papers. The studio says only husbands can see it. We're together, but you're not a husband. Oh, yeah, that's right. That makes sense. I don't know why that would make sense. That makes. But he goes, yeah, that, that makes sense. You sign stuff. So <laughs> a week goes by or so, and he comes back and he's, he says, listen, I talked to our friends and six months from now, there's an opening and the church is available. And the guy said he'd marry us. Do you want to get married like in six months? And he, she goes, yeah, that'd be really good. Cool. Can I see the book? No, she says, you're just a fiance now. It's the husband thing, Sign papers. Oh yeah, that makes so much sense. I'll wait. Week goes by and he says, I talked to the minister and he has an opening in two months and our friends are available. What do you say? And she says, good, we can do that. And then I can see the book, right? And that night I can see the book. And she goes, Mark, it's not like this is hidden territory. We sleep together. I sleep nude. He sleeps nude. We got a kid. But somehow this book was, it was
0: (laughs) That's fantastic. It's a, great, it's a great story, bringing families oh. together, bringing people together. Yeah,
1: it's it's powerful stuff that we, that we work with. It's We deal with, I mean, we've got some tragic stuff we do with it. One client that came in, we're doing prenatal work, and she was huge. Her tummy was huge. She knew, her family knew the baby was not going to survive. It, its lungs had not developed. So it would live about thirty minutes outside of the womb, and there's nothing anybody could do about it. There was no magical science. The lungs were not developed. It could not do it so it had a she had a name they knew what sex it was every night the family would corral and they'd caress the tummy and they had this still gets to me too and they'd talk to her the baby and they'd sing songs and she was part of the family for nine plus months she held on as long as she could and she tasked me with doing a photograph that showed the baby was part of the family that was loved but not too modern like it's a fine line because you couldn't you can't get all mopey about it And yet you can't get too frivolous. So we had to walk this very fine line and I have to control the emotional environment with my clients as well, as I guide them. And so we had to make sure that she didn't fall apart and that she didn't feel aloof as well in the photographs. And she felt we accomplished that. So it's neat. We've had, we had a client that came in a while ago, her, because we'd photographed his wife. She's they're potato farmers and she was a novel lady. She was so cute. She came in and we asked her what kind of session she wanted. She said, These legs are just built for walking and the butt that's attached to them. And she was a bit more plain in her language. It would just service the services legs and these breasts. They've serviced three children and there's not much left. But he loves that free pasture real estate in the middle. So that's what we're going to focus on. <laughs> no, okay. So we did this great photo shoot and then years passed and he appears on my doorstep and he says, he's explaining his wife had passed away from cancer. You have those photographs still. And our photographs go back to 1980. I've got archives in boxes to 1980. I said, we do. He says, great. i like prints of all of them, please. I said, cool. He said, oh, he says, one request. Don't retouch anything. I want every wrinkle, every flaw that you captured there. That was her. She was real. That's what we did. And so we get this full range of needs for people that come in. That is, I don't know. It's very privileged to be part of it. It really is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting emotionally touched by some of these stories. They're really powerful. They're they are they're really powerful, and I love how you talk about controlling the emotional environment with clients. For me, that it just I don't know why it reminded me of that movie Robin Williams, What Dreams May Come, when you talked about oh, her. Oh man, that well, is yes,
1: that's an amazing movie.
0: But that when you talked about for her that they wanted to do something for the baby, but you had to walk yes. the fine line between giving her something that will constantly take her to a yeah. bad place versus something that yeah. will be a cherished memory and yeah. so that that really jumped at me because that's i feel like that's what yeah. that movie's kind of about a little bit is how do you enjoy it, life while walking yeah. the line between the two
1: so we've had clients come in who were sick and will not see they'll pass away before the book would arrive from italy we had one time with the p i told the people in italy that's where our books are printed in italy and uh, and they upspeeded this in this one case the book Oh, God, by weeks. It just takes about three weeks to get the book. And they had it done inside of a week and in her hands. So she could see it before she passed. She could give it to her husband. And her statement was, she said, look, this disease, it's going to take my future. It's going to take seeing my children evolve, getting married, graduate, and so on. It's going to take me from my husband, who she was so connected to. But it's not going to take my spirit. It's not going to take my expression of love. And it's not going to take my sexuality, my, my joy of being sensual. And that's what I was tasked to create. That's what she said. You've just got to do this for me. But we've getting those. And it's not all like that. Like we we also get people that come in and say, I'm looking hot today. Let's do something. (laughs) And so we get the full range. And and it's it's exciting.
0: Can you speak to that a little bit? Because there's a stereotype of the starving artist per se. So when it comes to marketing and selling and pricing your art, you know, do you have any tips for anyone that's out there? Maybe yeah. Yeah. You, or... I guess I mentor this an awful lot. Now I was very fortunate. When I started, there's a
1: speaker that, in, that was so cool. He was like over the top and I met him later. He was like, he was mellow and he said, I gotta be over the top because if I told you in a crowded lecture hall, increase yourself 20%, you'd increase yourself 2%. So he goes over the top and he tells people to go for 80%. Yep. And then he, one of the things he said is that I'm not here for all of you. Most of you are just going to enjoy this presentation. It'll be fun. I'm here for three of you. There's three of you in the audience that are going to listen hear what I have to say. And one of the things he had to say was every six months, increase your prices. You're probably charging less of what you should. And you will go through better quality. I mean, you've got to afford stuff, right? You, when you have your prices and a lot of people don't, they don't value their time. Yes. And so I climbed up and I discovered as my prices and I created, a, as a strategic coach, and I created this concept and it's, it doesn't matter where you are in this concept, like where your prices are, these five situations always exist. And it doesn't matter what the industry is. I've had people tell me this model works applicable to everything else. The first level is that you, they are the people that say, what are you nuts? You're charging that for this? You're insane. Nobody does that. Drop your price, be reasonable. And they're really they're they're they're, and they're very good at it too because this is how they get deals right. So these people are skilled to making you feel bad and that you're overcharged and you are not worth what you're charged. The next group of people, they're different. They see you as being expensive, but they see your value, especially if you're an artist. And they're prepared to do layaway plans to do whatever it takes to get whatever it is that you're offering because they value it so much. The next group of people is, is the average one. They're the ones that think you're great think your prices are fine and they hire you. The next group of people are the ones that know you're not charging your true value yet. And you're a fine, you're the secret fine. And so they really cherish you and they appreciate and may mention that you should be charging more because you're not charging what you offer. Cause you tend to over-deliver, right? That's the first <clears throat> The next group of people, and they're the fascinating ones, they don't hire you because they know that for what you're charging, you can't give them what they want, what they need. One guy told me that flat out. He said, because I really good. I got all these things. He said, yes, Mark. I don't know what it's going to be, but there's going to be something, an experience, a quality level, a product level, something that at your price point, you can't possibly deliver. Because as you go up in your prices, you increase what you're delivering. Uh, it could be you start off and you're working on the back of your car. And then you can afford a, a, a shop on the expanse of that Fifth Avenue, so to speak. But they know that, so come back to me, When you're charging more, we'll talk again. Mm, I really like that. Yeah. Powerful, I, really, I thought.
0: I really like that. They say when people pay, they pay attention. when do they pay more attention? That that is,
1: that's very valid. And so as you as this model works, as you increase your prices, the faces of those five people change, but what they do in that system doesn't change. They'll you, as you move up, you double your prices. You've got a whole new appeal. Uh, I find though you don't have as many people kicking you down now. For my particular business, I discovered I started off at five dollars a night by ten, which was insane. I, well, I had one guy tell me that I was charging three dollars for four by at the time. He says you're really you got to charge appropriate mark, and he, I thanked him so much because he clarified why I should charge more money. As I hit the sixty in my case, the sixty five dollar point, all my complainers almost vanished. Yep. There's a threshold, and I think every industry's got it. There's a threshold where you're priced down and and the people who want to take advantage of you and have got their skilled approach to make you feel like you're less than what you are, they vanish at a certain point. You're still going to have people that complain about it, but they vanish. So that was the first lesson, is increase your prices every six months. Now, this is what's interesting because in six months, you can increase increase your prices. But so six months from now, it's a long ways away. And so you're feeling... cocky about it i'm gonna fix my prices you bet it's five percent ten percent depends where you are right as you get closer to that date you start getting scared because am i gonna be worth it are people still coming to me i'm gonna have a business if i go up ten percent are those naysayers there's this whole terror that kicks in so what i did was we made it a deal so my current client said listen we're going to keep our prices for you for two months but the people who come in they don't know what my prices were yesterday. I don't tell them. Right. I, too bad you didn't come in yesterday. Fool you. <laughs> I had a price increased by 10%. So each, you know, what happens mentally, and this is really cool, is that if you're not charging enough for your product, and I don't care what your business is, if you're not charging enough for your product, you know it inside. So it comes time to deliver your product. What happens if, it's, if, if there's a problem? Say something got dinged or nicked or you couldn't get the red tape, whatever it happens to be. Your brain goes for what they're paying they should accept this because you know it's under charge and you assume they know it too they don't know it they believe they're getting a good price the good product this is what you promised so you spiral down because as you charge less and do less and less it goes down but when you charge more than you think you're worth you're terrified and you overdeliver. deliver you make sure that product's great you make sure when the client comes in there's coffee there's tea there's a drink you double check that they're happy. You you go overboard to yep. because you, in your mind you're afraid to be called on it. You're afraid that they're going to say, "Yeah, I'm halfway through this, Mark. What the hell? Yeah, yep. you should be doing more for your money." Yep. <laughs> and that's your fear, right? And as you yep. go up the price line, that doesn't change. Is you, and it shouldn't change. I believe that if you get to the point that you are casual about your pricing, that, yeah so what's what we charge it's not a big deal it's just it's a lot of money but yeah big deal then you really should get out of it because you should always be feeling oh, that you're over delivering then what you, and people's going to call or under delivering the people are going to call you on it Yeah. And as yeah. long as you've got that desire to give more and then you look around and go whoa i'm giving a lot i better increase my prices and i've since discovered that there is no ceiling like we had a photographer encounter i was getting nervous about this i encountered a photographer this would be like two decades ago and he i've been mean, around for decades i've been around for 40 almost 40 43 years now So i speak in terms of decades That just kills me anyways he was charging $150,000 for a photo shoot he'd do one a month cuz he didn't have family and he had uh i don't know hacienda a, a beach property big property in in mexico that and every once a month he'd Get a client. He'd go over. He'd go on location someplace, and he'd photograph me. Charge under fifty thousand dollars, and then and he didn't work in at Christmas times. He wants to spend with his family. That was his whole benefit. And my mind's being blown. Like hundred and fifty thousand. That's for eleven months. That's like a hundred. Those days when I first encountered this, i for me, a number of, like that was like insane. Yeah, and yet, but it's a reflective thing. I encountered a guy must be about oh maybe a year or two ago, and he was. He sold this photograph to it was like a potato in the moon or something. And his lighting style was he had a black background, a bare light bulb, like no soft diffusion, nothing pretty, no backlight, no dimensional lighting, nothing. People would come into him and he'd charge a fee and he'd take two photographs of them. Then they'd go away and he'd make a 20 by 24 black white print. And he was photographing a potato this one day. And he had this potato up close with the same light, the same light he did with his clients. A harsh line of potato. imagine if you look at a stucco wall at noon hour, right? You know that every wrinkle comes up, right? It looked like it was from the moon. Okay, You sold it for one point two million million. investor came in and said, wow, this is says, Yeah. And he says, 20 by 20 French prices. What do you want for it? He says, I don't know. One way too late. Done, the guy says. I'll take this one okay rolls up gives it to him and i'm thinking how does that work some guy comes in you're not impressed One hundred million dollars this is so i did a research on it. when clients come into him and they sit down with this horrendous light and there's no shadow and there's no depth and there's no retouching boom here's a print black and white here you go and he gets something magical as prints though like that's not as blunt as to make it sounds he does capture something unique and these are celebrities and politicians and high-end people that come into. It. He charges, I think it's like around 75000 dollars 100000 dollars for a print. It's not so his point of right. mind, where the guy says, How much is that? That's 10 portraits, 20 portraits. So for his mind, it's not I'm making one of these or five of these, whatever he was doing, but it's only the equivalent of five or ten portraits. it's not a it's not a big deal for him. Like it's not right. His clients come in to them. It's not a big deal. It's his name's attached to it. It's
0: everybody sees the value. I think there's an important lesson here. I think I want to recap for the listeners on a few things. So one is you need to have a whale product. I think you never know, like whales are out there. So you always need a whale package. You just don't, you just don't know. And it's not, I remember I went to the post office before and I was trying to ship something and I needed to get there ASAP. Mm -hmm. And the rep was trying to talk me out of that shipping. Cause man, that's really expensive. You should just go this one there. It'll get there in a few days later, but I'm trying, I'm like, bro, like I, I need this to get there ASAP. I understand that's your mental paradigm, but yeah. I'm coming from a different place and I need to get this there as soon as possible. It doesn't matter what it costs. And so this is yeah. something where a lot of people put this on their customers and clients. So you really need to make sure that you have, you have a whale package. Right. I think that's a really important one for everyone. And that
1: speaker told me that i had in the back corner area so i'll move my head so you can see it before i, go, I gotta go a little this <laughs> just gonna shove it there we go okay i got my thing slow. back behind me you can see that a girl it's out of field because she's nude yep. on a red background okay that image is 40 by 50 inches and it was my i guess my whale product and i didn't expect it and he told me that He said don't I respect it? it's to sell it that's the framing price so you so what you do Is with your whale product, you start always with that product. That's when you start with, you don't start with your cheap one, start with the expensive one. And so I tell people, yeah, that's remember this, I started doing this back in the eighties. So I'd say, yeah, that's a Rembrandt size image and it's $5,000. And now you pause because they're going to go, they'll say something like, oh, wow. I said, yeah, that's an impressive image. They go, That's a lot. That's a lot of print. It's big, ignoring the fact they're responding to the price and not the size of the image so i deflect that then i describe what the image is it's custom printed my creativity dodge burned kindly printed protective finishes mounted on a, on a museum mount boards and so on now this is why you have to do that second you give the price first and describe it second because if you give the description first they start adding it up in the brain oh that's worth like 50 bucks that's 100 that's 25 that's 10 and they're going to come up with a whole different price than what you're going to land on. And then you've got a problem. You start the price first. Unapologetic. That's important. That This is, you don't hammer it high. You don't go, oh, yeah, so that, that to print up there, that's, that's like five grand. Okay, now let me justify it to you. Like, none of that crap. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. you do is you say the price, bold as brass. Say it with you, your you chest. May have to, <laughs> that's right. And you may have to practice saying that until it just cools off your tongue. Don't wait to say the price the first time when a client arrives. You then describe, and as you're describing, what's happening is you're giving your client time to absorb the price to adjust to that's the new reality that prices are $5,000. Now, the next image we have, which is the couple behind me and the girl who's I photographed in Italy, those are 30 by 40 inch print size. They're half the size of a door. Their price tag is half the price. So we've gone down to, actually $3,000. And those are Canadian prices, by the way, that's not relevant. And suddenly... That's a good deal. <laughs> We've dropped 50% in one print. The next print also has a drop, and then the drop. And, and so, suddenly, we're going to somewhere find a zone they like and they won't work with it. Now, be, and I had a really good lesson. I'll share this with you. So, I had a client come in one time I, I was still green, still scared. And his wife came, she had two photo sessions. Now, to give you a perspective of her, she came in and she had a limousine that she kept on tap for the day. So whatever the photo, she didn't want the photo session would be done. She will not be able to go. So she calls her husband to come and see the images. And he reaches him and he is having discussion with the leaders of China at the time. And he asks her if he could drop into Calgary on the way home to Denver, wherever they live, to see the surprise she's got for him. The same way you'd say to someone who's downtown, yeah. could you stop answering my store yeah. yeah so he did that he comes in and we're showing the photo. Now he she was nervous because he hadn't purchased a photograph she's a former beauty queen she was amazing he hadn't photographed a photograph of her since they got married which is about how many years that was. was a lot so he starts to pick photographs and we're, he picks like 83 eight by tens for in those days we didn't have books we had albums so these are like they were big they're 43 prints in a big album right adds up and he picked 30 prints aside for a wall print. So I'm expecting we're going to go through these prints and he's going to pick one and get down to one. That's what normally happens, right? Nope. They come up and he says, oh, that one I want, and he points that size, okay? And, and he's pointing to a 30 by 40. And then he wants this one, he points to a 20 by 24 size. And this one comes, oh, can you make that double that size? And he points to my whale print, my the red one, right? So it's double a 40, 50. So now we're talking 80 yeah. by 100 inches, right? Yes, I can do that. I have no idea how I can do that, but I figured it's got to be possible. Yeah, it's got to be possible, right? <laughs> so it goes through this whole thing. Now, I, I had instituted as an encouragement thing. Ideally, if you bought over certain I'd give you like 10% back, right? So we're doing this whole thing, and I'm in my sales gear, which I, I mean, if I only paused a little bit, I would have done me shut up. But no, I went ahead with my sales pitch, it was like, oh, you cross this line, we're going to give you 10% off because you're great. And so, so he's writing a check. Now he's, the whole amount comes this enormous amount of money. He writes a check and he says, you sure? why, what's with the 10%? Is there something happening I don't know about that's going to bother me? No, no, it's just you cross the threshold. It's what we do. Okay, so there's nothing secretive. There's nothing, this isn't like, he's suspicious, it's 10%, right? Yeah. I'm going, my brain's going, oh, that was a stupid move. He was quite comfortable paying that extra 10%. Oh, look at that, a big hole in my foot. I should put that gun away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we do the whole thing. And his wife goes, so she asked a couple of questions. So, so where are we going to put these? And he goes, We've got three houses we've got lots of walls we'll find space <laughs> yeah they'll find space it's good yeah. and he goes why what you bought so many and you've never bought any in the past how come oh he says that's simple you've never gone to a photographer who could capture your beauty and personality like these images show this is you this isn't some glamour makeup kind of crap this is you the woman i love adore i'm gonna grow and die with that's what we're buying, is you.
0: That's fantastic.
1: And so you've, yeah, you've got to have the whale. You've got to have the print that's outrageous that you're pretty sure nobody's going to buy. But I'll bet you, as my mentor betted me, in the course of a year, someone's going to.
0: Someone's going to buy it as long as it's there. Whatever
1: it is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you, even just by having that high price point, even if they take a lower price package, it almost elevates the status of everything else that you're doing. And if people take a look at what Elon Musk did, I think it's also a good example. He yeah. sold a super high price toy Roadster electric car yeah. to the super rich and that allowed him to co- prove validity of the concept. And then he mm-hmm. worked his way backwards down to the 30,000 everyday family yeah. kind of model. So he started off Really high price, so he could over almost like what you were saying before, right? Yeah. You know, starting at high price first, and then working backwards, because mm-hmm. if you're charging, if price is the only barrier of entry, there's nothing protecting you from some suicidal person entering the market. And even though they might be suicidal, mm-hmm. they can still upset your apple cart yeah, while taking yeah. themselves out. Whereas yeah. if you're charging what you're worth, you have room to over deliver. You have room. You have margin. You have wiggle room. You can do a lot more. So it's almost better. And price is not necessarily, you don't want to deal with the price buyers. That's when you talk about, yeah. you had less of the complainers, yeah. the price buyers, yeah. you might, people listening to this, I know in some instances, I'm a price buyer, but you don't want to, you don't want to have those as your customers, ideally, right? Yeah. You want, there's, you want to be the sought out expert. Right.
1: Yeah, there's a place where you do price buy. Everybody does. And right. then there's a price where you want with that whole thing. And I had bad math one time. I created a product. I was doing dancers. And that's cute. They were actually strippers at the time, but they're making a lot of money. And I had this product and I mathed and I thought it was a good deal. Then one day I did the math a different way and I discovered that every time I sold this product, I was losing 20 bucks. Like I was selling this product $20 below my real cost, my hard cost. And then I discovered that everybody's trying to under out, underbid me to get yeah. the business right. They figured, well, if he's charging that, we're going to charge this. They charged a hundred bucks less than I did to get the business right. Yeah. And so my first inclination was to go... I got to fix the price. I thought, oh, no, wait a minute. I can be mean to my competition. Now, this is really being mean. So yeah. I kept my price. Every time they sold it, they're losing 120 bucks. Yeah. And what, every time I sold it, I did an upsell. So I never actually sold that package. It became no one wanted it.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is such a good lesson for people. So copycats, because you can look at a building on the outside and you can try to copy yeah. it, but you don't know the inner workings. What well, he just said here, for those that didn't catch it, was pure gold. So again, I want to recap some of this. So he said that he had a loss leader front end and his competitors were copycatting, but what they didn't know is he had a next thing offer. He had a back end offer where he would recover that loss. So it was fantastic because on the front end, everyone thinks, right, you're losing money. And the people that just copy you and try to charge a little less, the economics of the business are doomed to fail to start, because bat- yeah. business isn't necessarily war in that we're trying to help people at the same time. We are trying to defend ourselves. And markets are, I've said this a lot. I heard this from Greg Glassman, but markets are unknown mm-hmm. and unknowable. If I asked you how many people are in market for photography today, you could give estimates, Google searches, people yeah. talking about this online, but it, it would be a rough estimate and you would never mm-hmm. know the true number and it would change every day. So a market is unknown and unknowable, but everybody can acknowledge and recognize excellence. So if you focus on just being excellent at what you do, that will help you survive the test of time. What is it that you deliver? What is the final product? Can you do that at an excellent level? And what is it going to take and charge accordingly and try to do different packages if you have different demographics? If you help people find new jobs, homeless people need to find work and high-powered CEOs need to find work, right? Two different stereotypes two different capacities right. to pay, two different experiences, a football game or a hockey game. You can steal it online. You can pay-per-view and with a couple of buddies, or you can go to a restaurant, pay for a meal and get it for free. Or you can pay for tickets in the nosebleed, or you can pay a higher price for the front. It's the same game, but there's that's different a price points. Right. So yeah. I think that's a really important thing that you mentioned.
1: Yeah. And there's people for every line. So like, the problem we come into is that usually as businessmen, we follow this path you are selling to people, you're selling a product that you yourself probably couldn't buy, that you are probably not your own demographic. Does that make sense? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. And so you feel a bit guilty sometimes. You feel like, like I wouldn't buy this. I couldn't put that amount of my income towards something like this. But the person you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah, so I I worked in the theory a while back that people, everybody's got, I picked a number out of the air, it was 10%. So everybody's got 10%. That's free money in the course of a year that I can spend and not worry about or feel bad about. That's my recreational money. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Now what happens though, is if I have a client come in and they're, they got, they're making a thousand dollars a month. They can only afford a hundred bucks. That's their low spending money. I talk to somebody who's making a million dollars. They can afford like a hundred thousand dollars to each person. It's the exact same amount of pain. Yeah. They can't go over their 10%. The one guy, can, he won't spend over a hundred thousand dollars. Because that's his pain point. That's what it is. Other guy, he won't spend more than a hundred bucks because that's his level. That's his limit. Yep. As a business person, I've got to understand that that when the guy comes in and spends a $100,000 or $50,000 on something, he's not even touching his pain point. Yep. I'm terrified because it's way over my comfort zone. And I'm not buying my product. I'm selling it. And so right, you've got to get right. over the fact that you are in a different zone that the, the person you sell it to is. Like the person when you were talking about your shipping thing, okay? Yep. Yeah. You couldn't imagine somebody taking that problem. I mean, that, that's a corporate stupid thing. And unless you're a big Amazon business, why would you have right. that? Not understanding that you've got a need, you have a deadline. It, if it doesn't arrive, there's penalties, there's money involved.
0: That's right. And he imposed his self-limiting belief on my transaction. And so we have to, as business owners, get out of our own ways, I think. And I want to recap some sense. of the things that you mentioned. Yes. Before, where you talked yep. when I asked about first how you got you you emphasized storytelling. You emphasize yes. that you took on everything that you could. That you worked with charities. That you would do trade shows. That you had mm-hmm. a yellow pages listing that was three times bigger than the others. Now I know that yellow pages is dead, but to me yep. what that means is that you made sure that you were seen, you were where the customers were, and that you showed up three times bigger than they did.
1: Yeah, I think even that's the a trade really show. Thing. It is the trade show. Everybody was, was buying a 10 by 10 booth. I bought four of them, right? Everybody else had a brochure. I had a live presentation. Everybody else had books. I had models. And, and that gave me leverage. All of a sudden I'm an entertainer for the trade show. Yep. I always had a charity attachment to my booth. So suddenly I'm making them look good because I make raising funds for a charity. Yep. I've got live models. I'm doing demos with. Suddenly, I've got, they've got a free booth, a free entertainment thing. People are going to come and see. I yeah. bought four booths. I'm a major buyer. I can say, I, can I be here instead of there? Yeah. Like, yeah. I get benefits. We had one case where the booth beside me was too small. They knocked over my TV, which is we had our displays were on TV. And the guys came up with a large TV on rollers and said, here, use this for the rest of the show. No fee. If you got, a, if you got the small booth, you're not going to get these perks. you're you're not you're not going to get you're not going to get called first and say pick it yeah yeah
0: Yeah. i love this i love this so much Looked after me i love that so much i think that's so important now can you Mm -hmm. talk about are there any habits that you feel have really helped you on your path to success
1: Uh, yeah i've got a lot of them i've learned you've got to listen you've got to not think about what you're going to say next you should know that by heart you should have all these different responses in your brain just go to You've got to listen to what the person is really saying and try to figure out what's between the lines. Because what they're telling you their pain is, it's between the lines. And you've got to understand when somebody says, yeah, that's nice. It, my date's bad or something. And then uh, you listen carefully and discover, no, they, they can't afford it. So I, one client, I came in and uh, I said, here's our price for our print. Oh, she says, "That's I, I can't afford one this month. We had a limit of five. So, oh, you can't afford. so this month told me she could afford it next month the next month. So I created a plan, which was great, which was a photograph a month club. So every month you pay this money, price of one print and you commit to 12. Okay. So the print, you do that for me. Like I can get 12 of these prints, but it will take me. And those folks are used to working, making. me. So all of a sudden I've got a cash flow. Yeah. I got, yeah. Yeah, at a given point in time, I have 20, 30 people because I listened to what you said. I couldn't, I can't afford that, you know, them this month, but that triggered the word stories are powerful people as we started the show off earlier i'm telling you stories and you are listening to me and you're reacting and i would wager from those stories if i showed up in the philippines and said i got my camera kind of a photograph of your significant other yep yep, yep. and you'd go nobody does i've heard the stories yeah i'm bored yeah so it doesn't matter what your product is you've got stories you've got stuff you went over the line with You've got people that would came to you and said, here's what gained that widget to me did. I was able to, that wheelchair arrived in time. My dad could see a sunset before he passed away. That cummerbump arrived just in time for us to finish the wedding. Not, everybody's got, every business has got a story. It doesn't matter how hardcore and even cheap they are. Their stories or something they've done, something that, that they've got in the business by some that people can resonate with. So those are really powerful for them. Some Learning your call that a case
0: study. It's not yeah. scientific case studies a little bit different, but you know, yeah. it's not even your story about your business because some yeah. people feel shy. I'm shy about bragging about myself. What you're doing yeah. is you're bragging about your clients and telling their stories and how That's you right. help them.
1: Yeah, and you're the side result. And people make that connection. You're telling the story that you're right, that somebody did it. But as as you're telling the story, people are going, Yeah, he did that, she did that. Yeah, and they do make the connection, even though you're not saying oh, I'm great. I'm a superhero person. Here's what I've done. You're saying this is my client experience. This is, I got to share this. This will give you goosebumps. You got to listen to this. The next thing is never stop learning. I've seen so many photographers, business people that hit their stride, top of the mountain, whatever happens to be. And they go, yeah, I'm complacent. I know it all. The world changes. My craft. If you don't believe going through three camera systems yeah learning curve i went from a big six by four man, and here. i get 10 shots to a roll I'd, and i do four shows four rolls to a client I, they have to buy if i take 40 photographs they've got to buy six of them or else i'm gonna go broke so keep on learning keep on challenging yourself and not just in your business keep without and then networking is huge too because right? you've got you're going to tell stories you gotta have stories you got people to tell stories too that means yeah. you've got
0: to get out in front of people Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah, that was and that can be like Go on. I was going to say the research that we've done: intense networking and advertising is a requirement because intense. And if you even think about it, and people just try to do some rough estimates, if you want to make a million dollars, let's just set that as a goal as a company. Sure. Whatever you're selling, if you're if what you're selling is a thousand dollars, you need to make a thousand sales. Yeah. So you need. So what does that break into? So you need a thousand sales. Okay. How many leads do you need? If you're selling one out of ten, you need ten thousand leads, right? If you're yep. selling. Two out of 10, right now you need five. So it's, you got to figure out that math. And that means that there has to be massive, a massive fire hydrant of activity and getting out there. The business graveyard is littered with world-class products and services that nobody knew about. So that's what jumped out to me. You were good at what you did. You were passionate about it. You had something, a USP when you got started. And that's why I wanted to go back and emphasize that to people that also you innovated, you were the third website, wet photography website online. So you are innovating to, in other ways to reach people. When you did Mm -hmm. show up, you showed up three times bigger than your competitors. You went where they were. You told stories. That's why I wanted to recap on that. And I'm glad you brought Mm -hmm. up the intense, like the networking part, because that is a huge requirement at all phases of business. There has to be intense networking and advertising. Just this basic example I gave, if you're selling a thousand dollar product and you want to do a million is why? If you're dreaming less than a million, you need better friends first off, right? Like even a million might be too small, like you may or may not hit it, but why would you dream anything less than that as a business owner? Because you can have a nice comfy lifestyle, nine to five, get two weeks off, benefits, all that stuff, working for someone else. What you go through as a business owner is not easy. So you should dream big and you need to make sure that there's potential there.
1: I had a book. One of the first books I encountered was how to make a million dollars in photography. And this is back 1982 or something, right? And so you can imagine that like, was like, that's, yeah, I'd be like $5 million now. And I didn't realize at the time look at the book that it was commercial photography and it was agency fees. I didn't, I, so my vision back then was like, guys are making a million bucks in photography. Yeah. That's my goal.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. my thing. Yeah. You know, and
1: I, it's, it was, it's cool.
0: And then you got to do the math. So how many sales? That's a thousand sales at a yeah. thousand. How many leads do I need? So how many leads do I need to get that many qualified leads? Because not all leads are going to be good, right? And then how many people do I have to be in touch with in order to get the, and then what can, where can I go? Where are these people? This is where most people, they start a bakery shop because they bake great pies and their family goes, you Mm -hmm. have the best blueberry pies. You should start a business. And they go, you know what? I will. And they dream and make their logo and they do the design and the layout and they plan the menu. And then they pick the location that suits their budget, that not isn't where the people are. And then they open up and they invite all their family and friends and they come and make the obligatory first purchase. And now those people have to live in the real world and they don't want to eat blueberry pie all the time. They don't want to drive an hour out of their way to go get blueberry pie. So then you're busy making these blueberry pies because now you're in business, but then they're not coming back and you're going, what do I do? And now you have to find the market, right? And that's a business exists to serve a group of people you serve them one at a time or in small groups, but ultimately you, you exist to serve a stereotype or multiple types of stereotypes. You need to be able to go and find them, you know? And, um, and that's
1: an important point because I've known very clearly who my clients are. And that kind of goes back to no matter what your business is, a firm, I put it this way, says, if you've got this kind of lure, which is your business, you want to go to the fishing hole. That's what they're biting on. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you go to that fishing hole, you're going to come home with piles of fish. Yeah. You go to the fishing hole where they're not biting on this one, they're biting on this one, you're going to starve to death.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you
1: got to know who your clients are and where they live.
0: Yeah. That is such a huge part of this. Mark, this has been such a great call. I really think people might want to listen to it more than once to make sure they get all the goods out of it. Now, I also want to respect your time. Is if before we go into any of the other stuff, is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you?
1: No, you're doing pretty good. The stuff onto long. There's a, there's a couple of things. One is expectations. So mm. the rule of the law is that it's not like 80% of the businesses aren't going to make it. So you've got to really, you've got to really dig in to do it. I know you're going to go through cycles. So you're going to have, your business is going to roar and you've got to be careful. You don't get too cocky because when it's really yeah. roaring, yeah. a friend of mine had this, he had a really good business. And then he had a bad he had a bad customer or bad staff member it just went south on him right yeah. and for months they fought to try and get him out it was just it was killing business and then and he put a sign up in the back of the studio and walked in he'd hold this touch this sign that said and this too shall pass yeah and he'd say those words he'd go inside having no idea what hell's gonna wait him yeah. finally they got the guy out business took back off again and he's going to his wife and he puts his hand on the door and he says this too shall pass he says dear he's gone you're doing well Hanoi says this too shall pass. Yeah. So it's cyclic. You're going to have, you're going to be, but you can't be fooled by it. No matter how good your good times are, something's going to happen. Yeah. Market's going to change. God is going to fail. People are something. And that's, and then it's going to pass. You got to dig your way up again. You got to reinvent yourself. You've got to figure something out right now. AI is upending my industry, other industries, but, it's going to, it's going to pass. Like you'll take it. We take advantage of it. Yep. I'm having a blast with AI stuff. you have got it. Yeah, it's really cool. But yeah, there's yeah. automation. There's things. So you've got it more so now than when I started off, when I started off cameras, it'd be like a five year time before a new camera would come out. And now every year, a brand new leap right. not, into it. Right. So whatever the new things are, that are that's going to streamline your business, make your product better you got to be aware of it and take advantage of it. So you got to be up on your stuff. You can't live in the past. Yeah. It's, it's a future place your head's got to be.
0: Yeah, that's so well said. I agree a thousand percent. Mark, you've got such great knowledge and info. I appreciate you coming and sharing with us so much. People, go check out Innerspiritphoto.com. Go sign up. Go get some photos done. It is great, great work. It's beautiful. I just am so, we talked before, it's a blessing to be able to yeah. do what you love and get paid for it. And I love being oh. able to talk to amazing people like you. And I just love what you're doing. And I'm even prouder that you're from where I was born. That's cool. Calgary you represent all the way. You bet. That's cool. Yeah.
1: We've got, there's also, besides my photography, there's, we have a podcast called Fascinating Women. And that's fascinatingwomen.ca. It's a Canadian podcast. And I spend about half an hour, or 45 minutes with each woman exploring what it was that made them who they are. Not so much what their business is. They're not trying to sell stuff. They're not trying to sell stuff. They're talking about how they got tools parents environment twists of fate whatever and right. some what some girls that are in horrible pain and how they overcame that so it's we're in our third season 16 countries over 2,500 listeners and so that's I'm proud of that too so we're, yeah. what's the name again fast it's called fascinatingwomen.ca fast dating no fascinating Oh, that fascinating. There we go. Okay.
0: Fascinating yeah. women,
1: yeah. women.ca
0: fascinating women.ca go check out the podcast as well. And just go take a look at his artwork at inner spirit photo.com. Even if you don't, even if you're not near Calgary or going to be working anywhere, I just think he's got beautiful photos. So I would love to go to one of your the exhibits. world. Yeah.
1: When your people goes, I want to fly him out. We fly places. I've been to 16 countries hoping to see more. So we're good.
0: Okay, so go check out innerspiritphoto.com. Mark, thank you so much. It's been an honor and a pleasure, my friend.
1: It's been fun. Thank you for your time.